Love won't let me, one translation says, evaluate you according to what I can see. Won't let me. Love says you can't go there. Not in your thoughts, not in your words, and not in your actions. It's constraining. It's, it's setting limitation. Because of love, I don't look at anyone according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm seeing something, church, as we dig into this that I've not been quick enough to see. Even after spending years and years, my whole life, looking at these things and growing up around these things. We've taken that, that confession that I just led you in a moment ago. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And we talked about how much faith it takes and how you have to make the decision, I'm not looking at what I can see. I'm not looking at my past. I'm not looking at my failures. I'm not looking at the mistakes I made a decade ago or 10 minutes ago. I'm looking at what I can't see. I am looking at what Jesus has done for me. In the Spirit, He's made me the righteousness of God in Christ. That's powerful. That's good. That's right. But when you take that one truth and you disconnect it from everything else He's talking about here, you miss out on really the heart of what he's saying. So I'm going to lead you in another confession. And this one, I think this one might require even more faith than the first one. And it's going to require you to look at the person sitting next to you. So go ahead and say this after me. You are the righteousness of God. In Christ. Whoa. Whoa. Now why does that one require as much, if not more, faith than the first one? Same reason. Same reason. Because you can see every mistake, every flaw. You may have been there, depending on how close that person is to you. You may have been there when they made the mistake. You may have spent the last decade or two married to that person and got a front row view to the faults, the flaws, the missteps, the mistakes, the sins, the, the anger, the temper, the, huh? You may have seen any and all of it. But faith looks at them and says, you are. The righteousness of God in Christ. There's such a weightiness to what I'm telling you right now. It'll save relationships. And that's what this whole passage is about. Relationship. Right? We've been restored to right relationship with God. But what did Paul say? We've been reconciled and then God turned around and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It makes me laugh sometimes when I think about the huge gap that existed between God and man. I, just an impossible gap to try to bridge and cross. It was, 
It was bigger than from one end of the universe to the other. That's how much space and distance there was between us and God. That's how much distance our sin put between us and Him. And through Jesus and the ministry of reconciliation, He closed that gap. He bridged that gap forever. And it's funny to me, and it would be funny if it wasn't so sad, that if God can bridge a gap like that, What's this little thing between me and you? We're not a universe apart here. Come on. If he can bridge that, certainly we can fix this little thing, right? Certainly. After all, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have that in us. The thing that he did to bridge the gap between us and him, that's been given to us, and now we can do that with each other. What is this thing between me and you? What is this thing between y'all? What, what's this thing between husband and wife that it can't be fixed in a moment of time by the same mercy and grace that brought us back to God, and yet we stand back and go, no, 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 just too much, too much, too far apart. You want to fix that? And in a hurry, declare the same thing over them that you declare over you. They are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, but I saw what they did. I'm not looking at what they did. I'm looking at what he did. I'm not looking at the things that are seen. I'm looking at what's unseen. This will change discussions, even ones that get a little heated, where the volume gets turned up a little bit, and... As it begins to escalate and, man, you've been laying in bed at night just working on that comeback because you knew this argument was coming and you crafted it and you formed it and you thought, oh, you just say it again and let you, let you hear what's about to come out of me and I'm going to put you in your place and here it comes. It's welling up on the inside of you. But instead you look at him and say, you know what you are? You, I'll tell you what you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm going to the other room. You can do that. You can do that. And it's faith, man. It's faith. We walk by faith and not by what we saw them do. We walk by faith. Faith for who they are in Christ. And we've heard so many good teachings and so many wonderful things about love and the love of God, but... I know me and a lot, uh, like some of you, we've heard that. And, and somewhere along the way, the way, love got twisted. And we, we turned love into maybe something that it's not. And, well, I got to do this because that's what love would do. Or I'll do it like that because that's what love would do. And, and, and there's been a lot of confusion about it. This is love. This right here is love. The love of Christ compels and constrains it urges me to act and it limits my actions because I judge thus. If he died for all, then all died. What's he saying? If Jesus died as your substitute, heaven holds it that you died. Heaven records you went to the cross. That is how powerful the substitutionary sacrifice is. It's not that he just did it for you. 
he did it for you. I, 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 I struggle to even put it into the right words. It's as though you paid the price. That's what Paul's saying. I judge you like this. You already died. That's why he said, you're a new creation. See, we've, we love claiming that, don't we? I'm a new creation in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. Old things, dead, passed away. All things become new. Okay, well, that same truth and reality that you believe about you, what are you supposed to do with that? Apply that to them. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That old, that old man that you were, dead and gone. Even if he was just in the room five minutes ago. Because sometimes the old man shows up, doesn't he? You, I'll, t I'll tell you what you are. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And leave it at that. That's love. That's love. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. The love of Christ compels me. Can I read something to you here that I wrote? I feel like the Lord gave this to me. I'm just going to read it the way he gave it to me. If I'm constrained by the love of Christ for you, then his love has set limitations and boundaries that will restrict my words and actions towards you. If I am constrained by the love of Christ, then the foundation of my view for you actually has nothing to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. The love of Christ limits my thinking to the fact that Christ died for you, and if Christ died for you, then heaven's records show that you died. Therefore, I can no longer regard you according to your flesh. The love of God restricts me from thinking of you that way, and it compels me to think of you as someone who is worthy of the blood of Jesus. We find this hard to do because of one reason. We have eyeballs. <laughs> we can see so clearly the mistakes that have been made and others' faults seem so glaringly obvious, making it difficult to see a person apart from their actions. But this chapter in 2 Corinthians has a solution for that. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Relationships require us to walk by faith and not by what we see. For your relationships with other people to thrive, you'll have to learn to look at other people, not through your natural eyes, but through the eyes of faith. You see yourself through the eyes of faith when you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Now simply say the same thing about the other people in your life, particularly about those who you know are born again. My spouse is the righteousness of God in Christ. Even if you're dealing with someone who's still living in sin and hasn't accepted the gift of righteousness, still you can say, Jesus died for them. Now, whether they believe it or have put faith in it or not, still he died for them. I'll give you a few examples here. Jesus died for my supervisor. Jesus died for every one of my coworkers. Jesus died for my city officials. Jesus died for the president of the United States. Jesus died for every senator, every congressperson. Here's one. Jesus died for my mother-in-law. 
What are you doing when you're saying that? You're putting value on them. Think of someone you're at odds with right now. Someone who has hurt you with their words or their actions. Think of someone whose life seems to despise and belittle everything you hold dear and count valuable. Now say out loud, out loud, Jesus died and rose again. And then put their name in there for them. Just as he did for me. Now listen, Jesus put value on their life when he shed his blood and paid to ransom them from sin. Who am I? to despise what he values. Who am I to call worthless what he calls priceless? The love of Christ won't let me judge any other way. What does judge mean? Decide. Decide. We know that in our, in our judicial system. The judges that we have in place, whether they're local, county, state, all the way up to the Supreme Court, their job is to pass down decisions. Decisions. But now in that, in that particular setting and situation, it is a qualified decision. Qualified by their knowledge of the law. Qualified by their experience. Here's a big one. Qualified by their knowledge of the facts. Hmm. That's what the decision about another person comes out of. But I want you to see this as we begin to wrap it up. In Matthew chapter 7, go there with me and look at something Jesus said. Who am I to belittle what he values? Who am I to call worthless what he calls priceless? We're going to read something here in Matthew chapter 7. But you got to understand that Matthew chapter 7 flows right out of Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6 is where you and I hear the words of Jesus and he says it over and over again. Do not worry about your life. He said don't worry about your clothes, what you put on. Don't worry about the food that you're going to eat. He's saying, don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your provision. And he said it a number of times, do not worry. But what's interesting about that statement that Jesus made, do not, you see it quite a lot through the Gospels. When you look it up, you find out that it's actually some of the strongest, most prohibitive language that he could have used. And other translations will translate it differently, and perhaps the way it should have been translated, they actually translate it like this. Stop it. Not do not worry. What did he say? Stop worrying. Stop it. How could Jesus look at a crowd of people, a bunch of nameless faces, and tell all of them to stop worrying? How could he do that? Surely there's some in the crowd that aren't, right? It's the nature of the flesh. And that's what he was dealing with. It is the nature of the flesh to worry. And people say, well, it's only natural that I worry. And to that I say, you're exactly right. It is only natural. And that is exactly why Jesus said, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop what? Stop worrying about your life. 
And a lot of people, particularly people who have gotten a hold of some things regarding the grace of God, if you're not careful how you hear it, if you don't pay attention to how you pay attention, you hear this said a lot. Well, I, I just don't like religion and all the do's and the don'ts. Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm not into all the do's and don'ts. Okay, I know what you're saying, but be honest and read the Bible and read Jesus and what he said. He gave you some do's and he gave you some don'ts. And one of the big don'ts here is do not stop worrying. That's one of the don'ts. Stop worrying about your life. The reason I said that to you is because you get to chapter 7, verse 1, and you see the exact same thing when he says, judge not, that you be not judged. Do not judge could have and maybe should have been translated how? Help me out, church. Stop it. Stop it. You see this in the Weiss translation. He says, stop pronouncing censorious criticism in order that you may not be the object of censorious criticism. Censorious, what's that mean? To be severely critical of others. And he didn't just say, don't judge. What did he say? Stop judging. How could Jesus look at a big crowd of people this is not a one-on-one -on -one counseling session. This is not Jesus' marriage counseling across the desk with somebody. He is talking to a massive crowd of people, and he says to every single one of them, stop worrying, and what else? Stop judging. And just as I'm sure there were people in the crowd that say, you know, I don't really have a worry problem. It's the nature of the flesh. And if you don't consciously and purposefully and by faith stop worrying, you will worry. Same thing goes with judging. He said, stop judging. What should that tell you? It's happening. It's happening everywhere and all the time. Criticizing. I know my grandfather tells a story. I heard him tell this years ago. He, I think this happened in the 80s in a time of prayer and fellowship with the Lord. He said to him, what is the biggest problem in the body of Christ? This is my grandfather asking the Lord this. What is the biggest problem in the body of Christ? And I think it surprised him, but he got an answer right away. And he said he heard the Lord speak up on the inside of him. And he said, it is your dogged determination to correct one another. Constantly criticizing, correcting, judging. Jesus is so serious about this that he looks at the crowd and says, stop judging. But do you know how many people today, if you were to say, hey, that was judgmental, they'd say, oh, no, no, I wasn't judging. Nobody acknowledges when they're judging. And if everybody who is not judging really isn't judging, then there's really no reason for Jesus to say this. But what's he saying? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Doing what? Judging, criticizing, finding fault. He says, don't judge. Stop judging that you be not judged. What's he telling us? That criticizing other people opens wide the door to you being criticized, to you being judged. 
For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Now, there's a lot of people that would tell you right now, well, all God's judgment went on Jesus at the cross. So I don't have any risk of any more judgment. What did he just say? Well, that was before the cross. Well, then Jesus should have said, judge not, so you're not judged. But really, you know, in a few minutes here, I'm going to the cross, so that's not really going to apply anymore, so don't worry about it. That's not what he said. He's telling you how you judge other people is how you get judged. With what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and don't even think about the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, there's a plank in your eye. Jesus calls you a hypocrite. And if there's any group of people Jesus was not a fan of, it was the hypocrites. And the word hypocrite is a Greek word that just translates to actor. This is what it means, actor. That's what they called their actors, hypocrites. And this year's Academy Award for Best Male Hypocrite, that's what they referred to them as. And that's what Jesus was saying. And even other translations say that. He would say, you actors on the stage of life pretending to be something you're not. And he was not a fan of this. Judging, passing down a decision against somebody and criticizing them based only on what you see requires you to be a hypocrite, an actor. And nobody in here is qualified to judge. You're not qualified. I'm not qualified. You don't know the law that good. I don't know the law that good. Want, let me tell you what else doesn't qualify you. Or from, uh, what else keeps you from being qualified to judge? You never have all the facts. And Jesus said, why are you looking at your brother going, you, 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 got, you got something in your eye, a speck. What's he say? You got a problem. I can fix what's wrong with you. He said, meanwhile, you have got a log attached to the side of your face. And you trying to help other people with what's wrong with them? What did he call that? Hypocrisy. He said, stop the judging. Stop it. Well, I wasn't judging. There's a good chance if you begin a statement like this, you say, I'm not trying to judge, but guess what you're about to do? Judge. Offer up your criticism. Well, I'm just telling you how I see it. How you what? I'm just telling you how I see it. Yeah, how you what? See it? Oh, we don't look at the things that are seen. We don't look at the things that are unseen or with the things that are seen. We look at the things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporary. Things that are unseen are eternal. You want to know what's eternal? You are the righteousness of God in Christ.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.